Hi, I'm Jean-Paul Cercelli, the head football coach at the University of Windsor, and you're listening to At The 55. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Today we are doing a preview of the Windsor Lancers' upcoming 2021 football season, and to help us break down all things Lancer football, we have the head coach himself, J.P. Cercelli. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm great, and uh, I really appreciate you having me on. No, it's a pleasure. You know, as uh, one of the few media sources as uh, in the OUA, we probably don't do enough to cover your team, and so that's on us. So it's always great to have representation from the west side of the province. Before we get into the specifics of this upcoming year, I kind of want to ask a few sort of broad questions about the program as you've been building it since you've got there. Because uh, about a year and a half ago when me and Dakota came to your school, we spoke with a few players, and I believe it was CJ Church who had mentioned that pretty much from the day that you had you took over that there was a palpable sea change of of the culture that you could feel, you know, and there was a bit of a lull at Windsor from the Austin Kennedy years in the early to mid 2000s to when you stepped in and that you, they could really feel it in the locker room that something was developing. So I guess the way I want to ask this question is, you know, as a new coach in a program that was perhaps floundering a little bit, obviously, you know, you want to win more games, make a playoff push, Yates Cup push, national championship. That all comes down the line. But what was your first goal? What was your main goal in trying to get the team on the track towards that? Yeah, for, for us, knowing where, we, where we've been and where we've come from and, you know, we've had a lot of success, not just at the university level, at, at the, uh, the OPFL summer football level and prior to that, the high school level. So, um, you know, there, there was a lot of expectations, you know, can you come in and, and turn things around? And I think a lot of times people look just at wins and losses. And when you're overhauling a program and you're trying to change the culture, which I guess becomes more and more uh, cliche nowadays, you, you have to look at how we're going to have small victories. Because if you come in and say, we're going to turn things around, all of a sudden we're, you know, within a year, we're going to be in the Yates Cup. Um, it, it's it's not believable. And if you don't have smaller goals, uh, I think you can quickly lose the players, lose the locker room because your way of thinking maybe doesn't produce the, the results that you expect. So for us, it was, you know, what, what is our culture all about? And it was really based upon um, what, what are your main core values and everything stems from family for us. So for us, it was what's most important, what can we build our program with? And it was this idea of the core values of love, serve, care and really making it about the ultimate football university experience for our players. And from there, you know, developing a mission statement and, and a culture that we, we call the Lancer way and understanding that it's really a way of doing things on a regular basis, not a list of rules, but this is what the standard performance is. This is what we expect from our players, from our coaches, from our administrators, from our support staff. And from there it was just kind of, trying to permeate it throughout the program with really setting expectations, but living them day to day. So understanding, yeah, we're going to change things from a football standpoint, whether it's increasing, you know, the way we do things with practices, with team meetings, things that I'm sure a lot of teams do, but the emphasis that for me, it started with the academic change. Um, you know, we, we need smart, players within the program that understand the importance of academics and knowing within our coaching staff that the entire reason we're, we're doing this is to use football to set up the next part of our lives. And so by setting that, that standard and making sure that academics was at the forefront, um, we were able to you know, quickly change maybe what the perception of the football program was. 
And for me, it really started with, I've got to be the face of that. I've got to be the one that sets up study halls. I'm the one who's got to run a lot of those, those meetings and academic sessions. So it's my background in teaching. Um, I was a teacher for about 11 years and, and knowing the education system, it was let's play to those strengths. And as fun as X's and O's are, uh, we really got to set a core foundation for what academic success is all about. And that was really the first step going forward and, you know, making, making quick changes in the number of uh, academic all Canadians we had from, from when we first arrived from six to, to 20 was a big part of that and changing the, the team average from a 64 to 75 with, within the first year. Those, those were really important um, goals that we had set up and it just showed the players, Hey, it, it doesn't have to be uh, monumental changes, just little things that we're going to do differently. And now you're achieving success. So, I think that was a big part of the turnaround is guys seeing, okay, if we do these little things right, we're going to have success. And it doesn't have to be we're solely looking at wins and wins on the field. It's got to be wins off the field as well. And, and from there, even establishing our community involvement, the fact that we were able to start working with a number of different groups, having our players volunteer, and really continuing that throughout COVID, which made it very difficult um, obviously to interact, but still doing fundraising, still interacting with different groups, uh, providing workout videos for for uh, United Way. Like, there was little little things like that that really helped us establish ourselves within the community and and then kind of being recognized by the university as as the the top uh, varsity program to combine athletics, academics, and community service. That was a, a big feather in the cap to say, this is where we're heading. This is what we're trying to achieve. And we know that we do those things right, bringing in the right people. Um, eventually success is going to come on the field. But uh, if you lead off, Hey, we're, we're going to, we're coming in, we've had success. And all of a sudden we're, we're going to be uh, Yates cup champions within a year. Um, it's not realistic and you really set yourself up for failure. So when you're overhauling a program that hasn't had uh, really much success at all, you've got to start with what, what is, what is the core foundation? What is it that you're really here for? And so that's really helped with our coaching staff, lead our players and, and head into the direction that we're going. And as you mentioned, not only sort of overhauling the culture or establishing the culture in the, the locker room and the academics piece, that was incredible. The six to 20 uh, academic all Canadians, tip of the cap to you and your staff. And, and of course the players and students, um, but of course, establishing yourself in the community. Cause that leads me into the next point I wanted to ask, which is that for those who know Ontario football, the Essex region is, is just littered with football talent as someone who played in the former OVFL league while despite never playing the Essex Ravens, you know, just looking across the conference and the standings, they were always one of the top teams, but uh, once again, I think it was talking with CJ Church, uh, not only one of your former players, but a local guy from the region, talk about the idea that uh, in the past, uh, Western uh, has done a good job of poaching some of the players from sort of the, the Western part of Ontario. And uh, you and your family perhaps played a part <laughs> in that at your former uh, school when you were coaching. But is establishing yourself in the community, how does that help to perhaps retain players in the area and perhaps now make Windsor the spot where as opposed to in the past where some of your local players were perhaps getting exported to other parts of the province or even the country or, or, or what have you to now saying, no, no, Windsor's actually the place to be and not only retaining local talent but now having other players come in from across the province and country yeah it's it's a real big challenge um we often talk about the fact we can't change our geography and, and the bottom line is when you look at ontario with 11 
schools and, and specifically where you're on the, you know, where you, where you were established in the GTA, um, you know, you essentially have to pass, you know, six or seven schools to get University of Windsor. So it's not an easy draw to begin with just because of how many schools you're going to be, be going by on the way. And then with, with us being right on the border, there's always the interest with, with the U S or what, what's happened before is, you know, the program doesn't have a, a high level of, of success in the past. So all of a sudden it's easy for a more established program to say, Hey, come to our place. Uh, it's a winning culture. This is the place for you to, to really make it happen. So a big part of that has been trying to get into the grassroots levels, letting them know that University of Windsor is, is a great choice, but it's going to take time. Um, it, it's pretty difficult to say, hey, we're, we're the up and coming program, stick around when you don't have an opportunity to showcase that. So it's always going to be a battle. And you're right, with the OPFL Essex Ravens, there's a lot of great football talent. So other teams are going to see that on a regular basis. So it's really important to set up that those grassroots connections within your own community. But then you've got to have a product on, on the field. So you start beating uh, some of those other schools. All of a sudden, guys say, OK, th this team's on the rise and it's, it's a place to beat. But until you can do that on the scoreboard, um, it, it's going to be an uphill battle. And it's important to let people know these are the things that our program offers from both an academic and community standpoint and really an opportunity to come and compete right away. So that's that's going to be an ongoing challenge just because we can't change where we're located, but looking at can we establish ourselves in other provinces, something that probably hasn't been done too much in the past at Windsor, um, looking into the United States, being right on the border. So there's other avenues to look at, but until you can establish yourself as, as a program on the rise or a program that's consistently winning, that's always going to be a battle. And that's the challenge when, when you're going against uh, other teams and other recruiters. So now getting to the players on the team that are going to hopefully lead to that culture change of winning this coming year, you know, it's, it's easy to start the quarterback position when we talk football, but more than almost any team uh, I want to talk about in the OUA, I really want to start the quarterback position because Sam Girard has been perhaps one of the most underrated players in his tenure at Windsor. And uh, once again, as someone who talks about the league fairly consistently, I'll put some of that on my own shoulders. Um, but a little bit on him, too, because when we came to Windsor, he didn't even want to do the podcast. So he doesn't even want to highlight his own abilities. Um <laughs> What can you say about uh, a, a young man like Sam and his talent, not only on the field, but just from talking with a few people I know around the who've been around the program, just to, um, his character off the field as well? Yeah, Sam, Sam's a fantastic person to work with. And I think sometimes um, it can go as misunderstood because he's not going to be uh, rah-rah in your face and he's going to be pretty low-key, like you alluded to. He's not going to be one to, to try and gravitate to the spotlight. But he was so key in, in starting our culture change just because here's someone that really valued what we thought was important and, and the core family values that we thought of. And then just establishing himself day to day as a fantastic student and a role model for people to look up to and say, look, this guy's getting it done. And, and he's at the point where he's now doing completing a master's. So all of a sudden you look at what's important to the program and you can realize, okay, here's someone that knows that the academic piece is, is part and parcel to what we're trying to do. And he's trying to set up the next part of his life by, by better, bettering his education essentially. And then throughout the locker room, you, you know, that here's, here's a guy that's been through um, a number of different seasons and, and he's gone through some of the lean years and he's someone that continues to come to work re ready to, uh, 
to lead the team as best as he can. And I think that shows a lot to, to the younger players. Here's someone I can rely on. Here's someone I can ask questions to. Here's someone that has gone through the rigor a few times now, and he's ready to, to really showcase what he's got. And I think, you know, you're right. He's probably one of the more underrated players uh, in the league just because you have maybe some star power on other teams and teams that get to the playoffs. And it's easy to forget about um, some of the things that some of the other players can do. And so we're really looking forward to what Sam's able to do this year. And I think he's going to have a, a real successful year. And obviously some of the uh, players on the team that are going to help him have success, uh, looking at a guy like Alex Bournet, who missed 2019 with injury, and Matthew James. Uh, and I'd love to get your take on them and some of the other weapons on on offense, but also kind of tying into some of the things you mentioned about Sam's impact, uh, not just as a, a player on the field, but in the locker room as well. Uh, I'm curious on the offense side of the ball and talking about those receivers, the impact of having a guy like Chris Osikusi come into the program in 2019 doing his law degree um, because we were speaking with him and Alex Bournet and, and, and Alex just spoke praises of, of how impactful it was having a guy like Chris who had been through his career at Queens, had experience in, in NFL locker rooms and CFL locker rooms. What type of a residue did having him in the team uh, leave? What kind of impact was that for uh, for your team? Yeah, it was immense, especially with, with a lot of the young skilled players, because what, what Chris brought was a different approach to the game that really hadn't been seen uh, before at the university, or at least within the last few years. And all of a sudden you saw guys putting in extra time before practice and after practice and knowing that just because practice ends doesn't mean uh, you can't stay here on the field and, and work on your routes, work on catching, get the judgment machine set up. So Chris was instrumental, uh, instrumental in setting that up and, and really establishing with some of the younger players because they quickly gravitated towards that and said, okay, here's a guy who's been drafted, has had success, um, been in a couple pro locker rooms, and really knows how to carry himself from the standpoint that you know he's, he's in law school right now. So he brought instant credibility. A lot of people knew who he was, but to be able to learn from him and – really establish that work ethic. That's something that I know both uh, Matt and Alex have, have continued to bring to our skill positions. And now as they're the, uh, the old guys, the old vets, uh, a lot of guys, young guys are able to look up to that and say, okay, this is, this is what the work ethic is. This is what our standard is going forward. And when we talk about some of the veterans on on your team on the defensive side of the ball, perhaps even more so than offense guys like Andrew Beattie, Zach Benson, Mitchell Kustra, Isaiah Warner, Cole Verlin, another guy coming off of injury from the last time that you guys were on the field. Uh, a, a lot of talent on that defense that perhaps people aren't aware of. Um, or, or just not keeping up with. I, I'm just curious, um, well, say whatever you want about any of those guys or any of the other vets, but on the offense and de- defensive side of the ball, who are some of the the young guys that, that those you know, names I mentioned and m- mentioning you know, Matthew and Alex on the offensive side of the ball, who are some of the young guys that uh, are really looking up to them who are looking to make an impact in this coming season who people might not be familiar with? Yeah, I think when we look at our defense, yeah, there's some, definitely some core veterans, but uh, there's a lot of young guys coming in and uh, some of the new, new freshmen or guys who, you know, technically are going to their second year now because of that missed uh, 2020 um, are, are going to be able to establish themselves and, and are going to be seen as, as core pieces of our defense. So guys like Brett McDougal 
who's a, a third-year player out of LaSalle. Um, we're expecting him to, to really be a leader in the secondary. Um, you know, having Isaiah and having Cole, um, guys who've been there for a while, it, it's key having them. But then having some more local talent like Brett, who's gone through the system, um, gone through Essex Ravens, someone that, that people within the city can identify with. So he's going to be a key part of our secondary and then guys who really are filling the mill, I mean, we've got ben, Bennett Vanny returning for his, his fourth year now as, as one of our linebackers. So he's one of really the only veteran linebackers returning from um, what was a really young core. And so hope, hopefully uh, the lessons he learned from Dan Metcalf and, and Josh Van Roy can really, can really help him through. And he's taken on a very strong leadership role. And one of the young guys, another local guy from uh, – from Windsor, Devin Verasek, we're expecting big things from him from the linebacker position as well. So we think with a good combination of young players coming in and, and maybe some vets that didn't get the notoriety or were seen as mainly special teams players, um, we're hoping, well, we know we're going to be able to turn the defense around because it wasn't very good in, in 2019. So new roles for some of the guys, like you mentioned, like Andrew Beattie and, and, and Zach Benson, um, Mitch Krutra, these are guys who we're going to be relying on along with some of the other new players that are coming in. And uh, we hope that that can, can definitely uh, lead to a more stout defense going forward. Last thing I want to ask you about, Coach, uh, when we look at the schedule for this year, and obviously we've talked about it a number of times, we have the, the East-West divide, the six-game schedule. And uh, when we go through your schedule, Coach, you start on the road at Waterloo, you're back home for Guelph, you got Mac at home, then you're at Western, back uh, or th- then you're way at Laurier and then you're home at Western. I didn't uh, repeat myself there. It is Western twice in three weeks. That is a gauntlet of a schedule if there ever was one. What type of approach are you taking for this year, given the nature of the the conference, the side of the conference you're in uh, and the, the, the talent we know is on some of those other teams and the sort of sprint nature of the six-game season as opposed to the regular eight-game season that we've seen in for the history of, of OUA football? Yeah, it's very challenging. Um, you know, I would argue that it's it's the most difficult schedule in the country, and uh, there's there's no there's no easy games. And I'm sure it's been discussed. We're, we're probably the team that's seen as as the team to circle. Hey, this is where we're gonna get a win and go from there. So, I think the challenge is you could look at where we've come from, and I would say we're going to be an improved team, but we could be an improved team that goes 0-6. So. How do you how do you measure that? How do you get guys prepared for that going forward? It's it's very difficult for us. It, it's hard because you can't say, well, it's unfair. or You can complain and say, look, the way the OUA set up, it's, it's not balanced. It's not fair. It isn't. But we went from a year of playing nothing. So it'd be pretty difficult to to complain about the way things are set up and how it's unbalanced because we had no football in 2020. So our approach has been we're, we're just happy to be back out there. We're happy to be able to compete. And it's unfortunate that the schedule is the way it is, but it is the way it is. So all we can do is prepare as best as we can. And hopefully that our guys are prepared and, and can hang with a lot of these bigger teams, because you mentioned Waterloo has got to be one of the favorites. And you've got the, you know, arguably the best player in the country leading them. Um, we know how great Max been. It's not like they lost a ton of players. Wealth has a loaded roster. Lori, I felt was one of the most talented teams in, in 2019. And of course, to go go back to the purple school um, twice in in a year, very difficult. So we've got our work set out for us, and uh, all those teams are capable of not only 
winning a provincial championship, but winning a national championship as well. So um, it's going to be very daunting. It's going to be very difficult. But like I said, we're happy to be playing again because the alternative is much worse and we're going to have to just do our best each and every week. I'll absolutely second that. And and having spoke with Coach Bertoya, your former colleague uh, now at Waterloo uh, just last week, uh, he knows how tough you guys have played his squad in the last couple of years. So he's cert- they're certainly not uh, circling you on the calendar as an automatic win that week one. And I cannot wait to see how that pans out and how the rest of the season plays out for you and the rest of the league. Uh, so, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time to talk Windsor Lansing football with me. All the best moving forward this season. My pleasure. And thank you so much for having me on. Anytime.